Amen. Well, we're in the middle of our sermon series here on the book of Ephesians. We're in chapter 1, verse 3. I've got good news. We're more than halfway through. How many have been enjoying this? Come on, don't lie. How many enjoy the book of Ephesians? All right, amen. I've been enjoying it. I'm going to go through it quickly. Got a lot to share today, a lot of fun charts. I think you guys are going to love this. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3 says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. To the praise of his glorious grace which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. That he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure which he purposed in Christ. Look at verse 10, to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment and to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. Can I hear an amen? All of you should understand this right now. We've gone through it verse by verse by verse. If you have missed any, they're on the app. They're on the website, both the notes and the audio and video recording. That is all you have covered. That is a tremendous amount of information about the plan of salvation. Now, regarding that plan, is today's message, and we're going to get into the depth of it. So read verse 11 with me. One, two, three. In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in according with the purpose of his will in conformity. Now listen to this. This is now today's message. The whole 10 verses we just learned, or 3 through 10 rather, those whole verses there are now the foundation for the plan. Everybody say God's plan. Thank you. That's what we're going to learn about today. And then he keeps going. In order that we who were the first to put our hope in Christ might be for the praise of his glory, and you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believe, you were marked with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who was a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession. Somebody say, I'm God's property. Thank you to the praise of his glory. So today's message is God's plan. Here are the ones that we have covered thus far. You can just take a look at them. I'm not going to go through all of them. We've talked about unified with Christ last week. Today is God's plan. Next week is going to be what? Made to praise God's glory. That's what we're going to learn about. So come learn the purpose why you were put on this planet. And then the next week, the gospel and so forth. Here are today's definitions. Now because the concept that we're learning today in verse 10 captures all of what we've already learned. Or rather in verse 11 uh, is all that we've already learned through 3 through 10. i got to give you a lot of definitions. But let me just go through them quickly. Then I've got some cool charts. Okay, somebody say bring it. Come on, y'all can handle this. We're talking about a plan. What is a plan? It's a purpose set forth for action. Pretty simple. We all know what a plan is. Conformity, that God makes everything conform to his plan is an important word. That's alignment. God aligns everything to the plan. Somebody say conformity. Thank you. What was another big word we heard in there? Predestined. 
predestined is talking about a destiny that's been pre-planned. This is not, life is not just happening in God's time uh, as each moment is passing. That's how we experience it. God set the plan already in motion and knew what we would do. That's where we then get into his sovereign will. I can't get into all the depth. These have been things I've gone over before in previous messages, but you can also look at the notes. Sovereign will mean that God gets to choose the plan that he's going to do. God gets to choose how it's going to work out in our lives. That's an important thing to remember. It's his way or really no other way. I can't even say the highway because there's no highway. That's not a part of his plan. Does everybody get that? Even hell's a part of his plan. Even the devil, even evil, and we'll learn about that in just a moment. And then foreknowledge means that God knows ahead of time what is going to happen. Predestined mean he makes it happen for knowledge. He knows about it ahead of time. These are things I've reviewed before. Everybody say review. Come on, say review is for you. Thank you. Now when we talk about these things, we've got to understand the will of God. We've preached two messages in the book of Ephesians on the will of God. The first message we preached on the will of God was in the first two verses, the introduction of Ephesians. The other message we preached on the will of God was in this passage we just read. It talks about the will of God. Now when we look at the will of God, we've got to remember that there are three components. The descriptive will, the permissive will, and the decreative will. God's descriptive will is what he tells us he wants us to do. God's permissive will is what he allows us to do and make our own choice with our free will. And God's decreative will is when he says, I'm going to do this. Whatever you've done, it's now my choice to make the consequences. And so we have some examples of this in the Bible. Let's not get confused. Deep concepts can be made easy to understand. God's descriptive will in the garden. It's my will that thou shall not murder. I don't want you to murder. But what does Cain and Abel do? You know, I should say outside the Garden of Eden now. What does humanity do? Uh, Cain says, I want to murder my brother, right? So God says, I don't want you to murder my brother. That's me describing to you what I do and don't want you to do. But then he allows us in a world to make choices, to be free. And man says, well, I want to kill my brother. Now this is what God says. He says, I decree that it's my choice to judge murderers, and the laws that I make will apply to those murderers as lawbreakers, and then if they don't repent, they go to hell. Does everybody get that? Okay, here's another, just a big, uh, uh, simple answer to a big problem. Everybody goes, the problem of evil, why is there evil in the world? Well, God said descriptively in the garden, now talking specifically to Adam and Eve, I don't want you to disobey me. I want you to listen to me, obey me, only eat from this tree. I want everyone to do the right thing. How many believe God wanted them to do the right thing? He tells them, he describes to them, don't eat from that tree, don't do these things, because if you do, you'll surely die. But then what does he permit? He allows them, if they want to, to eat from that tree. Does he not? He allows them. Do they eat from it? Yes, they do. So what happens? God says, now in the world of your bad choices, I will make even those who don't obey me bring me glory. I will use even the evil of a disobedient angel to bring me glory. I'll use the evil of disobedient people to bring me glory. Now, one of the problems that we always face when we talk about this is people say, well, why doesn't God just remove his permissive will? Why doesn't God just describe what he wants and then, boom, make it happen? What happens to you in the middle then? You're no longer free. 
You no longer have a self-identity. You are now a robot or a puppet. So if God were to remove permissive will, he would have to remove free will from mankind. Mankind would be forced to obey God, and thus everything he commanded would be decreed for man to obey. I want you to do this, and you would do it. I want you to do this, and you would do it. You would never know love. You would never know true friendship. Everything would be forced upon you. And that's why we need to understand that since God made free will, he is not responsible for our free actions, but only responsible to judge our actions. And I have the video here in this link if you want more information. Somebody say, make it plain. Let's go through some points before I get to the pretty pictures and I get to really apply this to your life. This is all review. How many of this uh, sounds familiar to you? Much of this? Those of you who have not been here have some blank stares on your face, but we love you. Glad you came today. We're going to catch you up. But how many, once again, have been here before and you've heard these things? Okay? Okay, this is not new. I've spent maybe two or three hours in a combined me uh, those messages talking about all those things. But now let's talk about this. Maybe let's just back up here to show you the passage again so you understand what we're even talking about, okay? Let's go back to this passage. Go to verse 11 with me. Uh, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 11. This is what we're describing today. Verse, verses 3 through 10 talk about this. Look at verse 9 first. He made known to us the mystery of his will. What am I making known to you right now? The mystery of God's what? See, I just made known to you the mystery of his will. That's pretty cool, isn't it? Now you know God has a descriptive will. God has a permissive will. God has a decretive will. In the Old Testament, they didn't understand how it was all going to work out. It was a mystery to them how mankind was going to be saved. How do you clean up the mess, God? There's so much evil in the world. God sent his only son, didn't he, because he loved the world. So what our free choices did is put Jesus on the cross. But even that wickedness that we did that put Jesus on the cross and crucified him, we're all guilty of his death, was actually the most glorious thing of God's love. Showed us how much he loved us, that he allowed us to even crucify him. And in the midst of that, which we thought was defeat, three days later, he raises from the dead. What a mystery got revealed there. What the devil thought he killed, what man thought they killed, they thought they were getting rid of God, getting rid of the holy person, getting rid of the commands of God. God actually said, I use that to save you from sin. I use that to defeat the devil. There's the mystery revealed. Now he says in verse 11 that in him we were also chosen. So that means God had to know about you before you knew about yourself. God had to know that you would be here before you chose to be here. And he has predestined you according to his plan. Is he predestining things according to your plan? Yes or no? Is God doing things according to your plan or his plan? Okay, so does God want you to marry the person you want to marry or the person that he wants you to marry? But he gives you a choice, doesn't he? He gives you a choice in the matter. You marry the wrong person, you suffer the penalty of that, but God will still use the bad decision for his glory. Those of us who are Christians ought to get on the plan of God and not suffer for making bad decisions. No one from Adam and Eve to you today can use your excuses, uh, use sin as an excuse for the bad choices you've made. No one has forced you to make the choices you've made. People have maybe hurt you and done things to you. Governments can oppress you and so forth and so on. But even then, according to the plan of God, you can find his blessing, whether you're with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in a fiery furnace, or with Daniel in a lion's den living in Babylon, or with Joseph being thrown in a pit by his family. Ever had a family do you wrong like that? Throw you in a pit, then put you into slavery, go to Potiphar's house. Hello, God is with you. 
So you can never throw up your hands and say, I don't want, uh, you know, I don't want God's plan because of all the problems in my life. And God say, that's an acceptable excuse. You can make a difference in your life or you can make an excuse. You just can't do both at the same time. So God has predestined you according to his plan. And the plan that he has works out everything in his plan, everything from the devil's fallen nature to Adam and Eve's sin to Nazi Germany is in conformity with the purpose of his what? Will. Why am I talking about the descriptive will? Why am I talking about the permissive will? Why am I talking about the declarative will? Because everything works out according to the plan that he set forth in his will. Can I hear an amen? Okay, so what's the plan of God that he's bringing about? Do you want to know the plan? Because you got to get with the plan, man. Look at your neighbor say, get with the plan, man. You better know the plan to get with it. He is the man with the plan. Now, let me give you my seven summary, a uh, seven point summary of God's plan. You can work it through the Bible on your own if you want, but here's my summary of it. And I got a bunch of graphics I'm going to get to here in just a minute. God wanted to create the heavens and the earth for his glory, that's why they were made. The heavens and the earth, all of creation, made for God's glory. Before Genesis 1-1, there was no heaven. Before Genesis 1-1, there was no earth. Genesis 1-1 creates heavens and earth. God was dwelling before that in his own presence. No, nothing else. No creation. No throne. No streets of gold. There were no angels flapping around. God existed alone in the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth for his glory. No doubt about it. Can I get an amen? He then makes mankind special out of all of his creation, different from the six-winged creatures we know as seraphim. Angels are not seraphim. Know the difference. Angels don't have wings. Seraphim do. Okay? See, so he creates seraphim, six-winged creatures. He creates angelic beings like Gabriel, Michael, and Lucifer. He then creates earth and the creation of earth, the earthly animals upon this planet. But then specially he makes mankind, plural, male and female, in his image to come together and procreate. He does that to represent himself in creation. Angels don't bear the Imago Dei. That's Latin for the image of God. Mankind does. Mankind was given dominion, procreation. All of these things angels do not have. Because of our sin and following the traitor, the devil, we have become under the authority of angels. But once we are born again, angels now work for us. We command them in Jesus' name. And then on Judgment Day, the Bible says we actually judge the angels. And that either means one of two things. We'll either only judge the bad ones or we'll also reward the good ones. We may say, Michael, well done. Here is your reward for helping me out that day. You did well. Or we just may judge the bad ones and say, you foul demon of perversion, you go to hell now. Thus says the Lord, I'm his representative. We will judge the angels, okay? Number three, God gave humanity a choice to serve him. This is now where you have to understand this concept. Everything with God is truth. God is truth. Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to me except you know, the Father except by me. And then the Bible says God cannot lie. So anything that is not of truth is what? 
A lie. What is the opposite of a lie? Truth in that sense, okay? God is logical. God cannot contradict himself. God cannot lie. God cannot believe something that is not true. So can God, listen to me, I'm going to go through this quickly, but you have to understand this about free will. Because some people say, I would rather be a robot and never know love and never know pain than to have a choice and be sent to hell for eternity. But it was God's choice to make us to know love. That was his determination. Now it's up to you whether you love God or you love yourself, okay? And if you love yourself over God, you get yourself in the end, not God. Does everybody get that? But track with me right here. There are two concepts. I want to move through them uh, quickly here. Is There are things which are conceivable, and then there are things which are feasible. Let's do a mind experiment. Are you ready for this? Can you conceive in your mind right now a square circle? Can you conceive in your mind a square circle? You can it is not conceivable. Now listen, it is not only not conceivable for you, it is not conceivable for God. God is the truth. God does not believe a lie. Do you understand that? Logic comes from him. You are made in his image. That's why a dog cannot even have this conversation. Do you, you, the dog may have thoughts, may have feelings, but the dog can't think about its thoughts. That's contemplation. You're doing that now. Do you understand? Everybody understand? Can you conceive right now a square circle? No, you can't. Can you conceive a married bachelor where they're married and a bachelor at the same time? No. Can you conceive that any time, any place, all universes considered, every fictional world you could possibly consider, where two things plus another two things don't equal four things? Can you conceive of a world where mathematics is not accurate? You cannot. You, you can pretend that you can. You could be delusional. But the truth is you cannot conceive anything that is what we call irrational. Now, we have other kinds of irrational thoughts that we can entertain, but they are deceptions. You cannot have irrational, logical beliefs. That is impossible. You, no one can. If they're out of their mind, they're spouting off nonsense, but you cannot hold a thought of illogic, irrationality. It's impossible. You just can't, okay? Now, can God imagine irrational things? Can God imagine non-truthful things? No. But now, there are things that God can conceive that he could do that are now feasible. So whatever is not conceivable is never feasible. Whatever cannot be conceived cannot be feasible. But there are things that God can conceive that may not be feasible or reasonable. Let me give you an example. Can you conceive right now of a flying unicorn? Can you conceive it? Yes, you can conceive it. it. It is not hard for you. It is not like imagining a square circle. It is not like trying to imagine 2 plus 2 equaling anything other than 5. So can God conceive that? Yes, God can see that, can conceive that. But did he create unicorns? No. So for him, it just wasn't feasible. He didn't want to do it for whatever reason. It wasn't feasible to his plan. He could have done it because it is reasonable. He could have made them out of some substance that was like carbon fiber, light but strong. He could have made their wings 20 feet long on each side so it would apply enough lift. He could have made that to be procreated like other animals are procreated with biogenetics. He, it is conceivable, but it just wasn't feasible. Whatever we see created is what God wanted to be here. Now here's what we have to understand with free will. Can you have love without free will? Can you conceive it? 
It may be a little bit more difficult for you to understand that, but it is exactly an irrational thought, just as much as uh, uh, conceiving a a married bachelor or that two plus two equals anything other than five. It is impossible to have love without free will. So now here it was God's options. God cannot conceive something that is not true. So God could have eliminated free will from you, but that may not have been feasible for him, just like a flying unit because he may not ever want to create anything in his image that can't love him because he is a God of love and choice. Now, do you understand? I said all of that to say that statement. Do you understand? God is a God of love. And so when he decided to create in his image, he could have just had angels, and when they fell, they would be damned. Angels don't get second and third chances. But when he decided to create us, he created us in his image, and at that point, it wasn't feasible. That's my belief and opinion, according to the Bible, for him to do anything other than to give us free will, come what may. Number four, humanity's bad choices are used for his ultimate good. So now that it is his plan for us to have free will, whether you agree with any of the philosophical things I just said. It doesn't matter. You're here now, and whatever you do, bad or good, will work for God's glory. It will. You will either be a proverb of stupidity, of a sinner, someone going to hell. You will be an example of what not to do in life, or you will be an example of what to do in life. You will either be a part of what he illustrates his glorious rewards with, or you will be a part of what he illustrates his glorious torment with, his his terrifying torment. You will be a part of this plan now for the rest of eternity. You don't get to stop it. Committing suicide doesn't stop it. Just puts your soul right into eternity a little bit faster. Can I hear an amen? He wanted to personally redeem the human race. That's the plan. He sees the pain, but he's an answer to the pain in the person of Jesus. So now when we get ready to shake our fists and say, I just don't like that there are so many problems, what we now have to do is say, what's the solution? Oh, it's God actually coming in the flesh, taking our punishment? You mean he suffers more than I do? Listen, those of you who have been abused, he had more abuse, way more. Even than the, I'm not making light of the child molesting. I'm not making light of the Holocaust and Auschwitz and, and gas chambers. I'm just saying God suffered more. God suffered more. Do you understand that? What, I, I see some of you don't understand that. i got to explain this to you. What made Auschwitz suffering? What made child abuse suffering? Life was infringed upon. This much life by this much evil. Put out your hands to how much life was on that cross. Was this much life? 80 years of someone in Auschwitz? Five years of being a child abuse person? Are you listening to me? How much life was on that cross? A whole lot. Now, how much evil was on that cross? One individual in Auschwitz had this much evil, right, or this much evil. How much evil was then put upon the eternal life of God? The eternal, or not the eternal, but the immense evil of the world put upon the Son of God. He suffered more in every possible way. He didn't just suffer one Auschwitz. He suffered every Auschwitz. He, the eternal God, was the only one who could take on all evil. Think of evil as a ball on him. Father himself turns the sky black, looks away from his son. That will blow your mind when you think about it because it was sin that was brought upon the stainless son of God. He became sin for us that we might become the righteousness in him. Does everybody get that? Okay. There is no suffering that you have suffered that he has not on your behalf on that cross. What happened there, now we understand with Wi-Fi and all of these things, what happened there, what they may have said was just a moment. 
But what happened there was a download of all the evil of human history. How long does it take me to download all of a two-hour movie? Seconds. How long does it take me to download all of Shakespeare's works? How long does it take me to download 500 biographies like that? On that cross, download, past, present of evil, suffered it all. If you come to Christ with your pity patty party, he'll say, I suffered it for you. You carry it now in hell because you didn't let me carry it for you. That's pride. Wasn't your choice to be abused. He says, I understand that. Wasn't your choice to be hurt, but I took it. You didn't want to give it up. Now go to hell with your pride in all of these other areas that you have committed. And this will be the sad thing, is that your abuser may go to heaven because if they renounce their pride, their wickedness will go, uh, their wickedness will go to the cross where Jesus paid for it, and the abused will go to hell because of their pride following the lie of the devil. Do you understand that? Mother Teresa does not get in on her righteousness. Nobody does. Everyone comes to the cross to renounce their sin. Your abuser can go to heaven and you to hell if you do not renounce your sin. It is not a problem with your abuser. It is a problem with sin in your abuser, and the sin was dealt with on the cross. To not let Jesus take your sin is literally for my child, and I have this in my backyard. We have raccoons and all these animals that poop in our backyard. It would be literally my child holding poop in their hands and me saying, give that to me. It is nasty. And them saying no, wiping it all over their face and running away from me rebelliously. Not only will they now get a spanking, but they will stink like doo-doo for a long time. Are you listening to me? That is what hell is like. Look at your neighbor and say, it just got real. He wanted to establish his kingdom in the hearts of the people first through the Holy Spirit. Remember, if every time we converted, the world was changed and evil was taken away, then that would mean all the unconverted would instantly go to hell. Every time we're converted, if God would force the kingdom here, the non-believer would go to hell. What that basically means is there would never be a chance for someone else to go to heaven. So what he has done is enacted the kingdom of God first internally and let it develop through, like yeast. That's what he said. Like yeast, we spread through the culture, reaching all the people. When we will turn into lights and literally turn on with his glory, when he steps down, there is no more rebellion, it's heaven or hell. Are you listening to me? So as we've said before, well, why doesn't he just save us now and do away with all the evil? Because we'll have to start with your family, your family, my family, your neighbor, and your friend. And if two weeks ago you weren't saved when he came back, talking about you. He is not slow in keeping his promises. He is patient, wanting you to be saved. Amen. That's a part of his plan. And then he's going to recreate humanity with us having the new spirits we got at the new birth with a new body like the one he got raised with. And then we will dwell upon him in the new earth as it was meant to be created, the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven. Can I hear an amen? So here are the pretty little pictures. I gave you seven. Here's a summary of four of the plan of God. Everybody say God's plan. Creation, fall, redemption, restoration. That's the Sunday school version. That's what your children are learning. Some of you need to start there and understand it. Amen? I gave you seven. Here's four. Here's one of my favorite ways to say it. This comes from Answers in Genesis. All C words. And then there are corresponding things that God does. Creation, corruption, catastrophe, talking about Noah's flood, confusion, the Tower of Babel, where other cultures came from. Remember, we are separated by language and culture, not by race. There is only one 
one human race. Amen? One race, the human race. Then Christ comes. He dies upon the cross. Then there will be a consummation of the ages. Creation comes back to the consummation when Jesus comes back. Corruption is done away at the cross. The catastrophe of the flood and all the destruction that has come upon this earth is resolved in Jesus Christ coming in the flesh. And then the confusion, I would actually draw another line there, is a new humanity. We were separated at the Tower of Babel, but now in Christ we come together, all nations, tribes, and languages with every male, female there. Can I hear an amen in the kingdom of God? Now here is my little way of tying it all together as you consider what you have learned today. Look at the passage again in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 11. Predestined according to the plan. You are predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. So here we have God giving us his descriptive will, his commands and his laws. He then gives us the permissive will. We've learned that it may have been uh, conceivable for things to exist, but it wasn't conceivable for us to be existing without an ability to love and to choose. And with that would come good and evil. Not just good, but evil as well because we would make the wrong choice. And he knew that. But he wanted it even despite the bad choice because at the end of the day he wanted his creation to be recreated so that we could have all that he told us we could have. It's his plan. So once again, you're responsible for your choices. You are right here. You are right here. You are in real time, but God already does know what you are going to do, and he will hold you responsible for it. So if someone says to me, Pastor, you know what? If God already knows what I'm going to do, I'm just going to live like the devil and all this and that. He knows you're going to do that, and then on Judgment Day, he's going to say, you were stupid for doing that. Why did you do that? That was so dumb. Uh, it, just because I knew you would do that doesn't mean you had to do that. Doesn't mean you had to do that. Understand this. God knows whether or not I'm going to raise my left hand and put it down. He knows whether or not I'm going to do that. But he's given me the choice to whether or not I want to do that. Does everybody get that? So if you just think, well, whatever's going to happen is going to happen, I might as well just do it anyway. He knows your stupid decision to do that, and he will punish you for it. What he does want you to do is choose him in real time. That's why the Bible says today is the day of salvation. That's why the Bible says make the most of every opportunity for the days are evil. So God wants you to make the right choice. But as the old preachers used to say, there will be no empty seats in the stadium of heaven when we celebrate him coming. He knows who will be there. And it's those of us here who have made the choice. That's why we are predestined. Predestined doesn't mean we become puppets. Does everybody get that? Let us compare it to our human understanding in closing here. If I now know the seventh game of the World Series, and I know all about it with the Cubs, and what was the team they were playing? The Indians. If I know all about it, does that mean I made the choices for them in the game? No, now just because I have the knowledge of it doesn't mean I made their choices. That's a human way of us understanding God's knowledge and so forth. Just because God knows it doesn't mean he forces it. That goes back to his permissive will. He's allowing us to do it. He's allowing us to do it. And in and this is where we got to get it. In this scripture, it tells us, in his plan, he said, I will take 
6,000 6, years of human history. He's saying, I will take 6,000 years of evil. I will take Hitler's. I will take Mussolini's. I will take rape. I, I, I will do that in trade for free will creatures choosing me. He said, I will do that for that. Because he said, that will be on them, their choice anyway. I'm just, I'm free from their folly, but I want people who will love me. I want a creation that is going to serve me. And I will. And then once again, does he do it lightly? No, because he does it. He pays the price with his own life. He could have said robots, and then what would have happened? No cross, no death, no incarnation, no father turning the back on the son. Right? He could have had a bunch of robots doing whatever he wanted. But he said, no, I will allow the evil to get to the point of where I'm going, which is having a people that love me. Well, I wish I had a church right now. He said, you were worth it. You were worth all the pain and the suffering. That's what he said. He said, I will come down and take it for you so that you don't have to carry it anymore and there will be a destiny for you because I got to create you to know me. Not to, not to have to, like he could have, done, he could have been all powerful all by himself. But there was a desire in his heart to love someone in his image. That's the plan. That's the predestination. I'm not saying today you have to agree with it all. I'm just saying you need to start understanding it. And if you want to go to heaven, you need to agree with it. But I'm just saying I got to get it out to you. But how many agree with God's plan? Now, that means you're on the right side of things. But if you don't agree with it right now, I would say study it. But at least you're not going to some church that's just acting like as if God's up in heaven fiddling his thumbs, not knowing what's going on. There is not one thing, once again, there is not one thing that is not in conformity to his will. Not one thing. Everybody say everything. There's my hand. Everything in conformity to the purpose of his will. Adam, would you come, please? I want you to think about this as we get ready to close because it's important to us. Here's the application. Somebody say, make it plain. When you show up at the hospital with someone you love, is God out of control or is God in control? He is in control. And what does he promise you? All things are going to work together for your good and my good in this. You stick with me. Everything's going to work together for good. Somebody hurts you. Somebody cheats on you. Somebody abuses you. Is God out of control or is God in control? Now do you understand why the Bible says he'll never place on you more than you can handle? Because he's already seen you in the future, and he already says, you look a lot better than you do right now. I know you can handle this. He's already been there. These are called counterfactuals. God already knows what you would do in situations, and that's why he never gives you more than you could handle. What is the difference between a Peter and a Judas? And some people believe this, and I'm tempted to believe it, but I'm not sure. It's called trans-world damnation. And that is no matter how many worlds you would have created Judas in, every time he's going to betray Jesus. Because there is just pride to say, not my way, but God's way. Uh, not, not God's way, but my way. But what was the difference between him and Peter? Is after Peter betrays three times, right? Peter denies him all these things. Peter still wants Jesus, it's like we get the illustration, there's nothing you can do to make Judas want God. 
You could play this out in some Greek mythology. Like I said, give him a thousand lifetimes. Let him keep going through it over and over again. Give him a thousand different life scenarios. But in every life scenario, you could even change his gender. You know, like in some of these movies you see. You could do every possible scenario. And in every possible scenario, Judas is Judas is Judas is Judas is Judas. These are called transfactuals, things that are factual, transcending just our, what we would call philosophical world, but let's not go there. So here's the point. You get one shot at this, and God has given you, everybody look up at me, please. God has given you the best shot you will ever have at being saved. Those of you here who have been abused and hurt in life, God has orchestrated it so that every pain you felt will be a big red arrow pointing to him. You need me. Parents hurt you. Uh, loved ones hurt you. You need me. Trust me. I will work through this. Right? Every pain pointing to him. Every pain pointing back to God saying, I will rescue you from this. I have an eternal solution from your temporary pain. Every world event. Everything you put on your news, everything you as a 21st century person are living with right now is supposed to be a big red arrow pointing to God. And then those of us brought up in Christian families, same mom and dad. My parents are going to be getting towards their 50th anniversary pretty soon. You know, live that kind of life, brought up in church. I remember the felt boards in Sunday school. Some of you don't even know about that. They would take the pictures and put them on felt boards and show, here's Moses, here's Noah. I grew up singing church songs. We have some of our kids and families right now at a church camp. I went to church camp. Are you listening? All of that. And what was God doing with that? Using a big red arrow. Like your father is good, I am good, but I am better. Like Christian, like your church is good, I am good, but I am better. So whether it was good in our childhood, evil in our childhood, he's pointing it back right to his plan. He's pointing it back right to him. Everything that happens works together for the good of those who love him. Everything. This is your best chance. Judas is not in hell today making excuses because he knows he had every single chance. Every miracle that he saw. Every time he saw Jesus weep for the lost. Every time Jesus hugged him and loved on him. He is reminded of that. It was his choice. No different than the people who walked with Moses. They saw the Red Sea part, and a few months later, they're worshiping a golden calf. Stupid is as stupid does. There is nothing that will change the will of a person except the person themselves. That is the gift that God's given us. And so every life situation you face, think of it like this. Please, in closing, listen to this pastor preach. Every decision you face in life, you will see it in one of two ways. This brings me closer to God or this drives me away from God. This brings me closer or this pulls me away. And what God is saying is everything I've allowed in your life will not overcome you, will not overtake you. There is no temptation that will seize you that I will not provide a way of escape. And he promises you every single time I will walk with you through the valley, my rod and my staff, they will comfort you. They will comfort you. So every life situation, every abuse, Every, every innocent child, every 
everything that we've faced, every buried loved one, every buried a loved one we've buried, God is saying, "Come closer. Come closer. They've hurt you. Come closer. They've done this. Come closer." And then when we get to heaven, listen, everybody, listen here. This is it. This is it. Get it today. We look now at earth, and we look at our life, and we look at a picture here, abuse here, hurt here, uh, lost a job here, buried a child here, all of this. And we see it here kind of like pictures hanging from the, the ceiling, and we see all of these scattered, ugly things, and we go, how in the world could this be God's plan? But he says, trust me. Trust me. Draw closer to me. Tears running down your eyes. Yes, Lord. Falling on your knees because you can't stand. Yes, Lord. Doing it by yourself because everybody's left you. Yes, Lord. And then one day you will cross over. No longer seeing it this way. But now you will see it this way. And every pain that you couldn't understand will put, put together a beautiful picture of the plan of God and the cross and the love. And there will be nobody. There will be no Christian. Listen to me. There will be no Christian on this side of eternity seeing the whole plan that says, I don't like it. Every pain, even the most horrendous pain, we will say, God, you did it for good. I would rather have gone through that a thousand times and see what you have done in my life for eternity than to be a robot and never know you. Than to never know you. Because knowing you was worth this pain. Was worth what I went through. And to know that you understand it through Jesus, the cross covers it. Now i got to be sassy. If you don't believe that, then it doesn't matter about any of your problems because there is no God. When you die, your miserable life is over and you're nothing but an empty memory. In a hundred years, they will forget about you. Your pain was purposeless. The Holocaust was purposeless. Every suffering was purposeless. But if there is a God interweaving his story through the pain of life, there's a God of justice that holds Hitler accountable for eternity for what he did on this earth. There's a God that holds accountable the abuser, every lie that was told. There is a God that holds them accountable as a judge, and then he makes every wrong right. Every tear is wiped away from your eyes. So it's your choice. Either it's God in control or it's meaningless. That is it. And so I know through Jesus Christ, his death, his burial, and his resurrection, it all comes to Jesus for me. That he said, my father's got this under control. It may not look like it's under control. They're about ready to crucify me. It may look like everything's falling apart, but I got you. I got this. In this world, you will have trouble, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Pretty soon, you're not going to see me anymore, but I will be with you until the end of the ages. You go tell the world this message. I put my trust in that man who came from heaven to earth and went back to heaven. He's got us in his hands. He said, I am the good shepherd. He said, I am watching you. I am looking out after you. There is nothing you will face that I will not be there with you, surrounding you, covering you. 
And that's why when you talk to people who have gone through the most hideous things of life, we have people in this church that have buried children. We have people in this church that we just had one testify two weeks ago. It's on Facebook now. She let me put her testimony up. She was sexually abused by a stepfather for five years. But today, God is in her life. She knows the Lord. And she will know him the rest of her life and all of eternity. And when that pain is over and when she has a new body and the brain and the senses can't even recall the memories, that man will be in hell if he doesn't repent. And she'll be in the presence of God. And she'll say, I want to be here. I didn't want to be a robot. I wanted to know love. And if to know love meant I had to know the evil of this world, I still choose you. I choose you. Because you took evil for me. Can I get an amen before I preach it again? Come on, let's give it up. Let's stand to our feet. Give it up for Jesus. Come on, it's all about him. Jesus. Woo! Band and altar workers, would you come, please? I know it may not be the easiest message to hear. I know that some of you just want to put up the, uh, the last quote for me, please. I know that some of you just want to leave it as a mystery. Because it's, it's, it's so difficult for some of you to understand God's that much in control. But as you walk out of here, you knowing God's that much in control is going to change your life. There is not some blob in the sky. There is a person named the Father who sent the person of the Son, and now the person of the Holy Spirit is here. They are persons, and they know you, and they have walked with you, and in their counsel they decided this was the plan. This is the plan. And I'll tell you right now, I'm so excited about this plan. And many of you, listen to me, I can't predict your future, but I know many of you, you will never face those kinds of things again. You are blessed. But you know what right now? Everybody look up at me. There are Christians, that's why I wear this. There are Christians right now in ISIS held territories being raped. Women like my wife being raped. Their children, eight years old, being raped. And they're dying for the gospel. And so for those of us in America who have a little bit of com more comfortable than us, we better pray for the real suffering around the world. I'm not saying some of you all don't have real suffering. But let us pray before we just start being all about ourselves. Because it ain't just about you losing a job, sir. It's not just about you and your wife getting into an argument. There are people in North Korean concentration camps right now where some of them have to boil their ch They don't have to, but they do. They eat their own children. Those who have escaped have told us. We better pray for this world, be light in this world, fight for justice in this world as our Father would want us to. Amen? Be justice, true justice warriors. And believe this as we do it every day. Pray this prayer every day. Not my will, but your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, I thank you for today. We're going to dismiss after this prayer. If you need to go, you can go, and we'll see you at Life Groups. Thank you for coming. But those who need prayer, those who want healing, you can come to the front even right now. Lord, we thank you for today. We ask that we'll always know and love you and trust you because, Lord, the plan that you had was to always have a people that were made in your image who would freely choose to love and serve you. If you're that people today, can I hear an amen? And let's give God a hand clap of praise. Come Come on, God bless you. Slap your neighbor high five and say, get with the plan. Have a wonderful week. We love you. Let us pray for you. But we're going to worship. Have a great day. Thank you for coming. Rivers. Come on, there's rivers flowing through you today. Rivers. Rivers flow.
rivers of healing, rivers of peace today. No matter what you're going through, there's a God who's got your back. And he says everything works together for your good. Jesus, Jesus said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Rivers, sing it out. Rivers, those receiving prayer today know that God loves you. He's never turned his back on you. You are so special to him. Rivers Jesus flows through me. One more time, rivers. Sing it out, rivers. The rivers of living water are coming to all the hungry and thirsty hearts today. Jesus flow through me. Jesus, come on, now let's sing it out. Nothing can separate me from your love. Cause nothing can separate us from your love. Oh, nothing can separate us from your love. Thank you, Lord. Do a work today. Do a work today, God. Encourage your people. Nothing. Nothing. Come on, just the drums and the voices. Nothing. Oh, nothing can separate us from your love. Oh, nothing can separate us from your love. Nothing can separate us from your love. One more time. Everybody keep praying. Those who are at the front, at the at the worship, those who are worshiping, if you can't, put your hand over your belly and say, I know God is in me. His rivers flow through me. Woo! He's healing me. He is changing me. There is nothing that I go through that he is not able to give me the strength for. God is on my side. God's got my back. I will do what he called me to do. Come on, say, I believe it. Jesus, you're with me. As we get ready to dismiss the band and put up our prayer video, I want you to believe it. There are rivers inside of you today. There is nothing holding back the power of God today except unbelief. Just believe that God is able today. Just believe it. We're going to dismiss the band here, but before we do, I want you to say, I believe there are rivers flowing through me. Amen. Can I hear an amen after party? Come on, give it up for Jesus.